we doing, guys? My guest today is going to be Damon Bouchai. Damon has been involved with real estate for 16 years. He's currently the branch broker for Windermere in Silver Star Park City, Utah. He's worked with the buyer or seller in over 60 million in property values and counting. In this episode, we discuss not only Damon's journey, but also how you differentiate yourself in such a cluttered real estate market right now. I hope you enjoy Damon's journey of failures and successes so far. And please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Bada bing, bada boom. We're rolling, my man. Thank you uh, for taking the time, Damon. I really appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Exciting. Looking good. Exciting. Looking oh. sharp. <laughs> uh, it was really funny because just before we got on, we were kind of just uh, describing uh, a day in the life and kind of the madness of uh, what's been going on for you and kind of running around like a chicken with your head cut off with all the new regulations and with COVID and, and kind of the, the real estate market here in, in Utah. And it's kind of, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing to see the growth that's happened. I mean, you haven't been in the market for a super long time, but I mean, the change just in the last like year or two has been insane. Well, I have been in the market for quite a while. This is my 16th year. 16th year. Yeah. I got that's licensed crazy. when I was, I got licensed when I was 20 really or actually 21 and okay. i be i started the brokerage up here uh five years ago in 2015 i started brokerage in park city then sold it to windermere in 27 2018 uh, okay. um, gotcha and then i've been the branch broker for windermere uh at silver star for the last uh two and a half years that's cr- i mean it's cr- how much has it changed i mean since you've kind of gotten into the market i mean 16 years that's crazy. Oh, it, I mean, we've, we've seen all these different cycles. So yeah, uh, back in 2007, I mean, it was, it was kind of similar to now where you saw flipping of contracts, you saw every, there's just so much demand and not enough to, to keep up with it. So you saw people on new construction oftentimes doing, like they'd get a contract and then they'd find a buyer who'd be willing to pay them a hundred grand more. Mm-hmm. And without doing anything, they just sell their contracts and make a hundred grand. Right. So we're seeing some of that come back right now just because of how low demand is. We, we talk about it a lot with our agents within our sales meetings, but one of our agents was, uh, they were under contract, the backup offer offered a hundred grand for them to walk away and paid the agent their commission because they wanted the property so much. So, I mean, you're, you're seeing some of these things that don't always meet, have that same rationale. And it's, and it's strange because, Park City is such a different market than some other areas. Some other these other areas, it's you're having these huge discrepancies where it's like, yeah. I, I wish I could find a buyer. I wish that I could sell my house. And here it's like, just name a price. And so some of these that are coming on are just that kind of Willy Wonka prices, but then people are paying it because there's no there's no comparison. There's no there's nothing else. There's not like if I don't if I don't buy this one, this one right next to it will be available. Right. Yeah, I mean the changes so, in the market—it's just been—it's just been crazy. I think the biggest change is probably the last year that a lot of people are changing from a secondary home to a primary residence, and mm-hmm. really the opposite of what I thought COVID would do was it exposed what people are really disliking, either in their house, in their living situation, whatever it is, and so that's why I'm seeing you see sales huge sales and recreational activities. People are wanting to get out of the home. They're wanting to get out of the place. They don't want to stare at their wall anymore. Um, they're either doing renovations to their homes. 
So contractors are insanely busy mm-hmm. or they're like, look, I just want more space. I want more views or I want to be out of the city. And now that work is allowing people to work remotely, right. they're getting to pick and choose where they want to live. And some of these nice resort areas are, are reaping the benefits or, or the repercussions depending on how you look at it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's super interesting to, to think about, you know, I didn't realize, so you were, cause you were still skiing when you got into real estate then for sure. You were still doing <laughs> like big mountain and stuff like that. I didn't realize that you had been in for like that long. I mean, I remember competing and all that stuff, but I didn't know that you got your, what, what drove you kind of to get into to real estate? Uh, it was one deal. Uh, my dad was buying a place out here and okay. he said, if you get your license, I'll buy it through you. And I said, invest two grand to make 15. That's a no brainer. Uh, even if I just do one deal, it's, it's totally worth my time. Um, and at the time at, at 21 in our off season, it was, you know, dry land training, water ramp. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't too hard to fit in real estate school in between that and yeah. just get licensed. And then really the motivator was I looked at the paycheck that came and was like, how many glasses, do, how many drinks do I have to serve for this? How many glasses do I have to wash? How many times do I have to drive into work? Why am I trying to be such a good bartender? Mm-hmm. I should be a much better real estate agent. And it took, it took a long time. I mean, I was, yeah. I was 21. I drove a Subaru with taped in headlights. <laughs> it was usually a gamble of whether or not my car was going to make it to the house. And so for someone to put their trust in a kid like that, to, to have them guide them through the biggest expense of their life, I felt pretty blessed to be able to get a couple of deals here and there. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I, I always looked at it. Like if I could figure this out with the world's shittiest car, I should be able to figure this out when the market and at, and at the, one of the worst times. Yeah. So I went full time. My, my, my take on it was I went full time in 2009. Okay. And that was like probably the saddest time to be in the sure. real estate market. It was, it was door knocking. It was cold calling. And it was people that would just, you know, you'd go into their house and they're like basically breaking up marriages on how much their home value had dropped mm-hmm. and how they need to short sale. And so I grinded and found ways to either help those clients keep their homes, which was always my goal, um, or the ones that needed out for no, and had no other options. I'd help them sell and would scrape by. And I always figured if I could figure this out, in the world's worst time when it comes back, I, I should be okay at it. Yeah. I mean, how, how much did you feel like you've kind of learned from that uh, scenario? I mean, that is like one of the, the worst time to get, it. I mean, the market just crashes, everyone's in the struggle. I mean, it was crazy time, even, even in like a mountain town, like park city, you know, where it, uh, real estate can stay somewhat high and everything. I mean, remember it was like, all, you know, it's bad. It was rough, rough times. It, it taught me a lot on how to get people from, over an emotional character. Um, so like door knocking, for an example, most of the time I'd go right at dinner because I knew people would be home. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, like if someone knocks on my door today at dinner, good luck. Um, right. And that's usually the case that they would have, you know, there'd be, there'd be a lot of F off, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm busy. And I'd be like, you know, I, I get it. But I was able to turn so many of those people from being pissed off into sending either me a referral or, or tell me more about what their real estate goal was by offering something of value. And that was 
look, I'm, I'm, knocking, I'm not just knocking on your door just to piss you off. I'm knocking on everyone's door here. So if you know anyone who wants to move into your neighborhood, maybe it's a cousin, a friend, anyone who's been looking here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find someone and I don't have anywhere to send it. So if you have someone that you might think would be a good fit for here, mm-hmm. is it all right if I contact them? And then I get their number and then I, and then I would just build leads more and more that way. Right. And it was, it was a hard grind and it was a lot of like, Hey, how do you convince someone that this is a solid investment when it's a declining market? Mm-hmm. Well, when you're in those types of situations, it's hard to see that there's going to be a rebound. It's like, I'm going to, yeah. it's going to keep crashing and I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait this out. And, and some of those people waited too long and then they missed the, the swing back up. Yeah. And so it's, it, it takes a lot of like stories. It takes a lot of understanding of people's personal personal finances, their goals, and and making sure that it's a home and not just like a, a one two month investment. If you're mm-hmm. if you're buying trying to buy a house for something like that, then I'd just say, you know, maybe maybe play the, the stock market. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So I mean, that experience of going through knocking on the door dinner time. I mean, that's a lot of people telling you to go fuck off and like, Hey, I'm just trying to enjoy my, in my evening. So, I mean, what kind of mentality and stuff did you have to have to go through that? Cause I mean, that's a lot of failure you're dealing with. You know, everyone, it's the yeah. good times, you know, you're selling $14 million homes and, you know, look back to the bad times. You're, you got a taped in car, your little Subaru there, you're pulling up, you know, knocking on doors like, Hey, I just want to hey, get the fuck off my property. You know I mean? How, how difficult and how much of a learning experience was that for you? It sounds good. That's a really good question. So you have to be okay with rejection um, and failure. Um, and it's not so much a failure of your personal own being. Um, I, I related a lot to sports. Um, the first time I tried to do like a kickflip on a skateboard, I didn't get it. Um, I didn't just give up and say, this is the worst thing in the world. I can never do this. You know, there's a lot of like, of like physical pain that came from learning a trick, same thing with skiing. It wasn't, it wasn't like day one, I went out and knew how to mogul ski and knew how to do flips into moguls. It's, it's a natural progression and it takes time and it takes falls and it takes making mistakes and, and learning from those. And you learn every day. I mean, that's, that's the fun part about being in this business is that no two deals are alike and trying to find some of those, there's always going to be similarities, but trying to find what works best for everyone and getting a deal through really hard negotiations is always, it's a, it's a skill. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what were those first couple years like in, in, in learning and kind of the <laughs> negotiation process, right? I mean, for such a young, at such a young age to be going through and, and like you say, you're negotiating people's hopes and dreams in a home they're trying to buy or sell or whatever else. I mean, that's, that's definitely, some pressure there. I don't know if you think about it at the time as pressure, but I mean, obviously competing and everything else you've dealt with some pressure, but still it's like, there's a lot, of, a lot on the shoulders. There is, especially when that paycheck, if it doesn't come, I might not be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard not to put like starting out. I just didn't have money to do it. And, and now it's a whole different mindset. But at that time it was what is, I had to put my interests aside in order to get it through to the, to, to luckily, I mean, it was a buyer's market. So I'm mostly with buyers okay. and it was like, name, name what it's going to take for you to get this, this home. And so they were overcoming hurdles. You know, it was like, well, if they fix the, 
the washing machine and, and they include the hot tub and uh, there's a credit for my closing costs. And so it, all of a sudden, those are all their pain points. Once you take those away, then you're able to get them into, into what they're actually, they're, they're attracted to that home for some reason. Mm-hmm. They just are going to have some sort of hurdle that they need to get over. And identifying that and being able to get through it is how you're able to negotiate. And it's, it's not an overly complicated process. Luckily, a lot of it's not done face-to-face because if a, 20, <laughs> a 21-year-old kid with a taped-up car came to negotiate with me, I'd probably just laugh and be like, I, I appreciate the tenacity. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be the guy. Right. No, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's crazy to think about for sure. But I mean, there has to be, I mean, what are some of those unique qualities that you would say help differentiate you throughout that process? Because I mean, just in Utah, low park city alone, there's so many real estate agents, especially now it's like the, you know, it's like the hot thing to do you know, get your real estate license, kind of do it on the side, sell a property here. They, I mean, that's just what it seems like. If you're cut, if you have new people coming to the market, how do you kind of cut through that clutter? And like, Hey, I'm unique. I'm going to get the job done for you. And you're going to be happy. Well, luckily once you get the business going, there's a lot of repeat business. There's a lot of like referrals. There's a lot of word of mouth. Uh, Cause people, I was, it was explained to me similar to like, becoming a, um, a like a plastic surgeon and say someone was like so your best friend just became a plastic surgeon and there's mm-hmm. tons of plastic surgeons and it's like hey i just got my plastic surgeon license I, you know let me do your let me do your surgery yeah. you're gonna be like well how many surgeries have you done like well you're gonna be the first yeah. <laughs> you're like well let's maybe this is my you know it's my face or you know yeah, it's exactly. gonna be like a permanent deal why don't you, I'd be a lot more comfortable if you worked with this person that I really trust. And so being in it at this point, at this stage in my life, it's a little bit different because I have a lot more credibility with the hundreds of sales, with the agents that I, that I manage with um, what, what I've built. So it, it more compounds than it mm-hmm. does like, Hey, how do I get business today? There's, there's just a lot of systems and there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of people that it just starts becoming a sick, like a circular pattern, mm. but starting out, starting off, it's, it's hard. I mean, you have to like figure out what, what will make you different than a di- another agent. And for me in that case, it was like, do you want to go with someone who's born? Or you want to go have fun and look at houses. And it was more about like the fun and then taking it very seriously and, and diving into like how the numbers work and how, how does this payment work? And what if, what are some of the worst case scenarios? If you need to say, say you lose your job, are you, what would happen? Are you able to move out? Would it, would rent pay off or cover all your mortgage and expenses? Right. Would this make, what are your worst case scenarios? And let's talk through those. Mm-hmm. And then when people felt comfortable with that, then it wasn't, then they're like, okay, this guy's in it more than just for his commission. He's in it to make sure that I have the home, that works best for me. Right. And once people, once you gain people's trust, it's really easy to, to overcome a lot of those hurdles and be like, look, I'm not trying to like just force this. I'm just in my experience and what I've, what I've learned, I wouldn't go after tackle these problems because this one's a much bigger, more expensive problem. And I think if I can get this taken care of, we can work on details of these minor issues down the road. Right. 
Yeah. So really kind of building, building into those relationships, kind of creating that like, Hey, I'm just not, I'm not in it for the paycheck. Let's go in, let's find what wants, what kind of works for you. I mean, there is a little bit of, I am in it for the pit, but at the same time, it's like hard to balance, right? I mean, there's a little bit in there of like, you know, it, it, it's a hard balancing act, but I mean, it seems like with your personality and, and you got to have the right attitude for it, for sure. Right. There's really awesome days that you're going to have the highest of highs. And then there's really low dark days when it's like, you have no one to blame but yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's hard, you know, like starting off, it was, I remember uh, seeing everyone busy, but me. And I was like, well, what's the deal? Like, I'm, I'm not afraid to work hard, not afraid to, to put in the time, but it was like, put in the time where, and, and what do you do? It was just, you, you sometimes get in these lost, like, segments that just it's it, it become it, it just becomes circular in the yeah. negative if you, if yeah you right you just don't get any success right you're just like a hamster on the wheel just kind of right. running not making you know finding those so so what for you did you kind of create or what helped you get through those dark times because i mean it's one of those things everyone goes through it right you go through it competitive career you go through it ski you know all those things you failure is a part that propels the success that you have right I mean, you need those failures for you to learn and to grow and to, you know, help create your business. I think I was just too stubborn to quit. Um, one of the funny stories is when I first started, it's like, you can't be a, a secret realtor. You can't just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a realtor and people are just going to come to you. Mm -hmm. uh, you really have to put it out. And I, I remember I'd done this long email to send out to everyone that I knew. And I critiqued it so many times and then I finally sent it out. And then instead of it saying like, I'm now in real estate or I, I'm now a realtor, it came out and just said, I am real estate. And I got a lot of responses. Like people yeah. are like, oh, oh, Damon, you are real estate. You are real and estate. Rather than be embarrassed about it, I just kind of embraced it. And I just would be like, no, 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 I am real estate. And anytime you see, see or think of real estate, just think of me. Yeah. And it kind of was like a bit of a joke. It kind of was a little bit serious. Uh, it, a lot of people remember that email. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of stubbornness, a bit of just an ego of everyone. No one thinks that I can do this. So mm -hmm. now I want to do it more. Kind of the same, same mentality of skiing. You know, I mean, yeah. it wasn't, when, I, when I was skiing, it wasn't, I, I never set out to be, one of the best it was mm -hmm. just some people beat me and i was like i don't want that to ever happen again so i'm gonna beat them mm -hmm. and then when people told me that you know you're, you'll never you'll never like podium at yeah. national championships you'll never you'll never ski norams and be one of the, the top u.s competitors uh i was like well i didn't really have that goal but i do now I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. So is that like always kind of been something that you've had? Is it like more of a, a loving to win or hating to lose or just trying to prove people wrong? The ego of like, Hey, Damon, you're not really going to do this. You know, you're not going to get like a podium at us nationals. It's just not in the cards for you. You're too big for the uh, if you ask, If you ask my mom growing up, I think anything that she told me to do, I did the opposite. And so we started figuring that out and be like, Damon, don't go clean your room. And you're like, oh, watch this. <laughs> and I'm going to have the cleanest room you'll see. And so I think it just, it, it's weird how the, the, your brain works psychologically. But yeah, like I said, I mean, I think if I would have put as much time and effort 
into any career, it, it would have been as or more successful than what it is now. It's just, I, this was the easiest path for me. Mm -hmm. um, and just out of, again, out of stubbornness, I just, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't enough pain for me to quit. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to, uh, to think about it, stubbornness. It's always one of those things. It's interesting, you know, all the different people we've had on and stuff so far about what has kind of, you know, a hating to lose or loving to win and, you know, being stubborn, right. Just not taking no or failure as an option, just continuing to, you know, go knock on doors and be like, Hey, I'm going to be able to help you out, whether it's your friends, family, just give me a shot. Well, yeah. And I think being a younger brother, you, you just, the younger brother, it's the, it's, that is like the thing, right? It's always the younger. Uh, so were you the uh, youngest? No, I was the middle. Oh, middle. Okay. So I still, I, I, but you know, it's my, my, I have an older brother, younger mm -hmm. sister. Yeah. So I was really, you know, through up until I was probably about, 1920 maybe even 21 you know my brother just really like could would always overtake me on on almost anything mm -hmm. you know bigger stronger uh fortunately for me i kept growing <laughs> and, and those kind of pain points of losing on all those times you know i just wasn't strong enough to to fight back so mm -hmm. when it came time to training it was like okay what are i remember i remember going into the gym and being like what are the things that you can control in skiing? Uh, it's not the snow. It's not uh, the composition of your skis. It's not the conditions. Um, it's not your, how your body feels. It's just the only thing you can really control is your strength. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, why don't I just get, why don't I just put in more time than anyone's willing to do and see what yeah. that, we'll see where that takes me. Sure. Um, so, so I guess it's always been kind of just, experimenting seeing what it does and then latching onto it to like almost to a insane degree of like I'm, until you can until you can solve it and i, I mean I, I guess i've always had that even with like video games as a kid i'd get really like now i'm going to sit down and beat this video game and spend the whole day right you know glued to it until i uh -huh. beat it and then figured out those systems to be able to make them work for me right so that single-minded just focus and so once you kind of locked on you were full on like good to go this is this is what i'm doing it, it, you know you know it's hard so it's not a it's not a standard business um mm -hmm. the first few years i only sold between one and five homes a year probably for the first three years and okay. i mean the first year is one yeah second year i think i did two third year i did like three or four mm -hmm. And then it was, I missed a couple um, while I was competing. I remember I, like the, like working those competitions was a pretty awesome job for like a 23 to 25 year old. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I mean, I was making $300 a day. Everything was paid for. I got to compete if the conditions were good. I got to hang out with all my friends, uh, you know, and there was just no expenses. So it was like, you know, you work hard, but it was, it was fun to be around all those guys. And then, I lost a couple, I remember I lost a couple deals that I'd been working on and was like, hey, let's regroup in the spring. And those deals sold in the winter. And I remember one of them paid more than all of my work. And again, I, I sat down and was like, 
how many of these cold mountains have I had to climb? How many times have I had to sit out in the, in the freezing snow and mm-hmm. cold weather while I'm waiting for the competition to conclude? Or how many times did I have to put my life on the line to try to go like grab someone's ski or go compete? And like the competing part I loved, but right. some of the other parts that was just like, oh man, I should just be, why am I, why am I hanging on to this? Like, why don't I just, I can see that all it takes is one and I just have to be focused to get that one. And mm. then for the winter, yeah. and then I can do all this stuff and pay for all this stuff on my own. Sure. But it, it is a hard mindset to take. And it's, again, if you, if you're going broke and you have, you know, $10 left in your account, it's hard to not blame anyone or anything else other than you. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, I think that's a great and honest, open like mentality, but I think that's hard for a lot of, of, you know, people are not, uh, don't have that self-assessment and self-evaluation. You know, they usually to try to find blame and put it on somebody else or not have the ownership of like, Hey, the reason I'm here is because I haven't done anything. I need to work harder. I need to, you know, figure out how I'm going to make this work. Yeah. And so I think figuring that out was always, it's always been super beneficial. So like, I'm, I see a value in the brokerage that I'm with now, but yeah. before it was like, okay, I always saw people that would be like, oh, I'm, I'm not selling enough houses because my car's not nice enough or my clothes aren't nice enough or um, I, I'm no, I don't have this or that. And those are just, those are just mentality things. Those are just in your, your own insecurities. Sure. Uh, people are going to work with whoever they feel most comfortable with. And if you have the most information, but you look, less presentable they're still yeah. gonna they're still gonna be entertained by it i mean sure they're not if there's if there's someone who's more put together and has the same information they might go with that person yeah but if you if you have more value than than what anyone else is providing you're going to get you're gonna you're gonna win people over every time well, i think that also goes back into the the personality of it you know i mean i know so many different people i've met that do real estate i'm like man you're like talking to you know, the wall over there, you're not very, you know, like, Oh, let's go check this out. Or so, you know, it's just like, what? Yeah. Like you're in real estate. You don't, you know, you don't really do it. You know, it's like, you might want to think of another job. They're like, so there's a ceiling it's made out of wood. You know, pop, popcorn ceiling for you. And he's driving around in the Porsche, right? He's got the car though. He's got the car to, you know, he doesn't have the Subaru with the tape on the wind. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have that Subaru anymore. Unfortunately, that thing blew up, but it did give me 100,000 miles of amazing reliability. So I, so I owed it to Subaru for yeah. my first couple of deals. Um, no, I, I think you're absolutely correct that there's, there's a certain, and certain people relate to different people completely different. And so mm-hmm. it's being able to adapt to that and being able to adapt to like different scenarios and, and figure it out quick. Like there's, there's oftentimes that I'm at most of my showings on most of my listings. And sometimes there might be someone who's just very uncomfortable with me there. It doesn't do my client any favors if they're that uncomfortable for me to just still shadow them around other than be like, you know, usually it's just, would you like me to take you through? If they're like, no, I think we got this figured out. I'll be like, cool. I'm going to stand outside. I'll just be here in case you need anything. Now, if there's really expensive things that could be taken out of the yeah, house, right. then it's a different story. But if it's, you know, one of these standard kind of homes, 
a lot of times you have to pick up on that quick. And so you don't ruin the showing or make someone feel like, I really like, I like that house, but there's something about it that I can't put my hand on. And I just don't know if I really want to buy it. You know what I mean? Uh And how long did it take? Were you pretty quick on the, you know, on the uptick of figuring that out? Like, Hey, this person, no, 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 no. It's a little time. I mean, I wasn't, I was not very good at sales to begin with. It just was, I learned what didn't work to figure out what, what does work. Yeah. And so I failed to succeed. And I, I think that is probably one of the better routes to do. Um, It's definitely the longer route, but it allows you to understand multiple different situations. Like when I first got into it, it was, like I said, it was a buyer. When I went full-time, it was a buyer's market. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm only going to send, sell good deals. And for me, I had my own qualifying deals where I was like, this is a good value because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I was too young to realize that a good value for someone else might be, oh, I don't have to do any work on it. It's not going to cause me any problems. It's not going to stress out my life or create any sort of marriage marriage problem. Um, I was just looking at the, here's what it is. Here's what rehab model is. And here's what your value could be. And here's how much you could net. Right. And so, so to me, that was a very um, rationale that made sense. But then going through it, all these different times, sometimes it's just what gives you joy, you yeah. know, and, and if you, can you afford it? And does it make sense? Does it make sense to you personally? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's very, very similar to people who buy Porsches, who buy Teslas, who buy these luxury vehicles. Yeah. They kind of have the same mindset here in, in Park City where it's just like, I don't care. I mean, I, I they always kind of care. Yeah, but, sure. But they always also just want it to make, make the most sense for them. Yeah. No, it's super. I mean, it's super interesting to think about, uh, you know, this market here. I mean, I know it's crazy all over with everything going on, but I mean, just over the course of this summer, kind of what's transpired and so many people leaving either LA or New York that have kind of had those secondary homes that are now, you know, I think I heard that uh, what it was over like 400 or 500 new families in the, just in the school district here alone. I think it was close to 500. That's I believe crazy. it was like four, like it was mid fours. Um, it is. And it's, it's one of these trends that I, at first when COVID hit, I thought this was all just like hopeful thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty stressed out at that time and everything kind of shut down. And some people had the mindset of just like, let's double down on marketing. Let's now's the time to strike harder. Um, I kind of did in between. I, I continued with marketing, but I was like, what's the point of, my thoughts were, what's the point of paddling out twice as hard if there's no ways, you know, like if, there's, sure. if we can't sell real estate, yeah. what's, what's the point of trying to, trying to stand up on a wave that doesn't exist? Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of took a different mentality and really tried to reconnect with all my clients in, in the manner that I did back when I was, you know, the 21 year old kid. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I, I might only sell like three or four homes for the rest of the year. Let's just really, let's really try to gravitate to those leads. Let's try to make sure we go over all of their issues, make sure that we get a home for a really great value for them and close these deals. And yeah. so the leads that came in during the first, probably like the end of March through May, it was, 
It was a little bit easier to close them because they've been looking for a long time. Mm-hmm. You don't usually contact a realtor in like an uncertain time unless you're really sure right. that you're you, yep. going to buy a house. <laughs> and so it made it a little bit easier. And then it also gave me the, the time to, to sit down and go over all of their, their, you know, any of their issues that they had with a, with a purchase. Yeah. Um, what I didn't see happening was all the talk of like, I can't wait to get out of town. And, you know, here it was, it was awesome. You know, quarantine wasn't that bad for me. It was yeah. hang, hang out, play Xbox, go. go. <laughs> yeah. I'll admit it. I got, I got an Xbox. I got a few friends to try to get Xboxes. We're the, we're the worst gamers in the world, but it was kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go ski touring uh, and then make some calls, you know, just mm. work a little bit. You didn't, I didn't have to work nine to five, but I still do like a couple hours a day talking to clients. Right. Now, is that one of, I mean, that seems like it would be one of the kind of appetizing things is being able to kind of create your own schedule a little bit there, right? Kind of you can initially, initially. Okay. Cause I'm just curious, like how, how are you able to, cause I know you got like over 15 listings and stuff going on, right? Like how do you keep track like each and every day of like, okay, I got this, this, and this. Uh, that I got to take care of and like, how do you, how do you stay organized with all of it? I mean, it's. Uh, I try to do a pretty good job. I mean, Google has a lot of different things that they often is not a paid promotion, but uh, <laughs> that Google calendar keeps me very, very much on track. The second there's anything that comes up, I put it in there. Okay. Um, I share it with my business partner, um, share it with other, you know, office people so they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, staying on deadlines is probably the biggest thing and then how to fill it in and time management time management is huge um, and like, as you say like building your own schedule it you can uh, it also like if you if you decide to block off for two weeks and a five million dollar buyer comes in and that I mean that's kind of how real estate works is it right. it comes at the most you know you I leave town someone comes into town yeah um, and so it's, it's hard and you're, while you're on your schedule, you're also having to align with someone else's schedule that is always changing. So mm-hmm. it becomes very frustrating and, and the days do get long. I mean, most, most days for me start at seven and then they go easily into eight to 10 PM at night. I mean, I, that's a long, that's a long day. I'm, I'm still at the office. It's about to get dark. That's a, that's a long day on the, uh, that's a long day on the phone. So for time management, like, how do you, how do you try to break that up for you? Like, how does it, I mean, is it, are you at just the whim of the, the buyer and seller and their schedule? I mean, is, is that kind of play into it or I mean, it's just Google calendar, boom, I got this schedule that. And then it gives you an alert every, you know, 30 minutes beforehand. Like, okay, you got this coming up. That is a nice little alert. It gives you 30 minutes. You don't forget. Yeah, you got with, this. <laughs> with, with driving time. So mm. the driving time is key because when I, yeah. before I started this, uh working up here you know i was doing i I grew the business in salt lake to up to about 35 to 40 homes a year selling that many and then which was good and then coming up here uh it was a i mean it's a whole different ball game it's a lot it's a lot higher level agents it's a whole lot higher clientele and it's a lot higher um expectations and Mm -hmm. so there's a few times that i was historically about five minutes late to most most things it's resale time <laughs> it, but it's not i mean you you just blow sale right that quickly and i i remember i had a a very serious one with uh 
uh, it was a referral, uh, former agent for my business partner, Alan. Mm-hmm. And I showed up two minutes late to the showing and the buyer had already gotten there and she was furious. And I was like, I'm two minutes late. And she's like, just shook yeah. her head. I, I mean, I had to send her flowers and apology and just was like, look, I'm, I will never be late again. And I held to that. And uh, I was like, you're going to see me in your driveway, either playing on my phone, doing emails, cleaning the car, but I'll be here 10 minutes early on, or at least 10 minutes early, maybe 20 minutes on every single showing, because yeah. I know that's important to you mm-hmm. because you, for, in your case, you thought that this just blew the potential sale of your home. And it's like, that is one thing that could have easily been prevented by just being a little bit more courteous of someone else's expectations. Sure. That's like really different. I mean, that's, that's another one of those growing, like learning experiences though. I mean, that's, it's an interesting thing you don't, you wouldn't really think about, but you know, having other people's uh, expectations in mind for sure. Yeah. It's uh, I, I talked to Dash who I work with uh, on, on all my deals now where, it's, you know, he'll get, he gets frustrated. I get frustrated. And it's, I'm like, look, this is just a growing pain. It's the same thing as like when you get sore at the gym or, or you're just, you're just, you've reached your limit, mm-hmm. but that's not going to be your limit tomorrow. You're going to, yeah. you're going to be able to grow from this. But right now the frustration is just that you don't know how to do it, but after you get through it, you're going to have a process that's going to be able to get you through it and onto the next, the next deal and be more uh, efficient and more, more sensitive to other, to any of these subjects that might come up. Yeah. I mean, looking back, on the 21-year-old kid to now, I mean, <laughs> how much do you think, look, you know, do you just shake your head like, oh, God, because you have to remember me at 21? I, I, I do. I do remember you at 21, yeah. <laughs> I was a bit, I was a bit out there. Uh, I think it, I think that um, there's been a few people that have been extremely surprised to see it, um, to see any sort of I guess probably any sort of, some of them would say any sort of success out of me, but uh, it's, yeah, it, I think once I started applying the same things that started working in, in sports mm-hmm. and not being so tied to one outcome and looking at the big picture, that's when, that's when the world kind of more opened up to me sure. and be like, okay, this is what my goal is, but how I get there. I, you know, we, I can set a path, I can try to set a path, but it's going to go all over the place. And sometimes it might feel like it's going backwards, but just if that, if that gets become the case, just regroup, rethink things through. And if it, you know, if it, the nice thing about life is if it doesn't work for you, you just move on to something else. Yeah. That's a fun, I mean, that's kind of the fun part of the journey. You get to see kind of where it goes and, and how you kind of end up to that goal. I mean, how was it getting, you know, selling the branch and moving in and kind of, I mean, that, that had to be quite the, the landmark for you of like, okay, like I've clearly shown that I've got some success, 35 to 40 homes in a year. I mean, it's, it's an impressive uh, amount of homes to be slinging. Yeah, it was. And so for me, it was a little bit, it was, to me, it seemed like a, a, a bit of a risk. Um, mm-hmm. I had seven years of doing about that much business. And so usually everyone sells a home every seven years. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, it should only keep growing as long as I just kind of maintain it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always wanted to sell homes up here. Like 
the homes in Salt Lake are fun, but they're all very similar. Um, yeah. they, they don't, you're never, you don't, I haven't walked into too many that are just like, where did this owner come from? Like, yeah. this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. This, is, this would be so cool to live in this home and, yeah. and be able to evaluate it and tell you what it's worth in today's market. I mean, that's the, that's the crazy part is that yeah. I came from like a price per square foot, which is still used to an extent. And then like a, you know, here's seven, here's five comps that are the same as this home. Well, what happens okay. if you're the, you're the only home that an architect built a house for in the state? Yeah. You know, you don't Drives have a them. comp anywhere until you get to like California, which is where's the snow in California. I mean, you just right. running into these things that are like, okay, well, how, how do we sell this? How do we, how do we get someone else to envision what, what makes this so special? Mm-hmm. and why it's worth so much. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Gotcha. Yeah, being able to create something. Because it is one of those things. I mean, as you talk about it, the the uniqueness of all the different homes that like I've just li- you know lived in, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like, okay, yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely, a, you need a unique family to kind of buy off and in every home, right? There's always something kind of special about it that, that clicks for you. And like, you know what? I can kind of see see my future here. And it's funny because like when it, you're, when it's a different price point than you would think that you're ever going to be able to afford, mm-hmm. you'll think that some of these homes are perfect. You know, it's like, I walk into some of these homes and I'm like, this is amazing. I would live here. Like, I can't believe anyone would have a problem with this, but yeah. there's no such thing as a perfect home. Every home, whether you build it, whether you, whether you bought it, remodeled it, there's always going to be something that you wish that there was something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And Knowing that really helps so that people can be, it's, it's like the 85% rule. Um, I used to have the same thing with, with girls where it was like, you know, I'll just try to get like the perfect girl. Yep. No offense to the women out there, but you're not, you're not perfect. But if you're 85% perfect, except <laughs> for my wife, deal. except for your wife, you, she, <laughs> she's perfect. Thank, thank you, Avatar. <laughs> no, you but got, it, you got it. Yeah, it is one of those things to think about, though, that I don't, you know, uh, it, it's a great point. I mean, uh, every home you move into, there's always something you want to change, whether it's like, all right, I want to rip out the floors or the kitchen needs a little work and you need to throw some new cabinets in there. Or it needs a paint job and then it'll kind of, you know, that's kind of got to be a fun aspect to go through with the client, though, and be like, OK, and you kind of see what their style and vision is, does that like kind of help you get more of an idea of like, okay, they're kind of in this direction and that's kind of what they like. Yeah. So I think that that's, I mean, it is definitely a skill. I think that it's mm-hmm. a, a, a nice ability to be able to talk people through that and give them kind of a, your honest opinion rather than just be like, Oh, this is so easy. You know, I've mm-hmm. luckily I've, I've gone through multiple different remodels, multiple different, uh, I've, I've never built my own home, but I've done a ton of remodeling, ton of like landscaping, any of those things where I can really show like, this is how much value a kitchen has added on my personal residence. Yeah. This is what a remodel, this is what a remodel does for a ski and ski out or a, um, a ski condo in park city. How so important is that? Is that like an important value for, for the, you know, people that are moving into the home or they're just like, we just want a new kitchen. 
Cause that's not something like I've really think about like, okay, it's going to add, you know, if I could bring in new floors and stuff like that, it's going to add so much value to the place. I'm like, I don't really like the fucking rug in here. We need to change that out and just get something that's nicer. Yeah. So it's it, the, the biggest word in real estate is it depends. So it's, mm-hmm. it's always going to depend on the person. Um, if say it's like a chef, they're not going to want to be in there on one of those old electric stoves. They're going to be like, no way is this working. Um, so it, to each person, they're gonna always have their must-haves. And some of the times it might be a gas range. Some of them, it might be a jetted tub. Some of them, it might be a killer view or it might be privacy, or it could just be something as simple as a garage. Um, it, it just really depends on each one of the clients. And yeah. sometimes they don't know. I mean, that's the hard part. It's like first-time home buyers, they just don't even know. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's just go look. Yeah. And being able to pick up on the stuff that they really get into um and keep them on track is it's probably the 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 biggest way to learn so like dash was a a a client of mine first okay that's Um, cool he went and looked at a record amount of homes with me uh we looked at 65 homes before he purchased shit wow right right to where it got to the point where i was like i don't even know when i need to go inside why don't you guys just go in i'll wait (laughs) out here and then I was like, well, I'm not really doing my job. I need to, I really need to dial this into them ranking them. And, mm-hmm. and just they, the problem was that they were in, there was too many options and they were in an overwhelmed state. And so when I'd bring our folder that had 30 different homes on it and they weren't ranked, they're just like, oh, I could buy any of these. Yeah. And so when I started being like, how does this home rank? Where, where would you put this? Is it top three? Yeah. No. I'd be like, just tear that sheet up apart yeah. i'll hang on to it so we can have a record of it but yeah. tear yours up we're not we're not moving we're not even going to consider it we have two we're going to have two better options mm-hmm. and so keeping that track of their top three made it really easy to keep them on track of like okay let's compare this how does this home that we just are in right now how does it compare to number three is it better worse what do you think based off the yeah. price and condition and if they're like it's worse tear it up it's yeah. better okay then we do the same thing to house number two mm-hmm. and if they if they said better i'd say is it better than number one and i'd say yes and i'd yeah. say is it is it worth exploring an offer i think right. so i mean it just it's just a series of questions to get someone in line to making the right decision that mm-hmm. they ultimately would get to but sometimes when like today's market i feel i'd feel really bad for first-time home buyers because it just if you hesitate it just flies by at least in the salt lake market that right. we're seeing yeah especially i mean silicon slopes everyone trying to get to get in uh in park city and everything else i mean i feel like the homes are just flying off the market here and then the building that's going on like as soon it's not even built yet and everything every lot's already sold <laughs> yeah i think up in park city you're going to have a, a few more compromises for the for the modern mm-hmm. for the average buyer so right. myself included it might my must-have was a two-car garage uh, in Park City, mm-hmm. and I was able to get it. So yeah. that, so I bought it. Right. <laughs> it was, yeah, I think you came through. I gave you my my oven. Yeah, that's probably sweet the world's oven. dirtiest, but it was like it was filthy. Yeah, you know, like the whole the place that I bought, it just needed tons of work. And at the time, I was like, I'm remodeling a condo. I still need to finish the remodel on my house in Salt Lake. I don't need a third project. It's just, it's just me. Right. So why, why would I buy what would be considered a problem? But then 
dissecting it and be like, okay, what do I need to have absolutely done for me to move into this? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was flooring and paint. Yeah. And once you get through that, you'd be surprised at how much it trans, trans like transforms the house. And so for yeah. me, that's, that's all that I needed in order to move. And so I, I only did that. But at the time it was like, I'm going to need a new kitchen. I'm going to need new bathrooms. I'm going to need new lighting. It's all going to need to be smart home system. I want electric blinds. And it's like, do I, do I need all that? Or is that going to be a fun? want? Yeah. Yeah. A want or a need, right? You kind of have to have to break it up. It's really amazing what a fresh coat of paint will do. You know, you, you uh, just reminded me of like some of the houses that uh, used to remodel and like work on in the summer, you know, trying to pay for ski season and out uh, like 20 minutes from Park City, there's these old farmhouses that we would remodel and work on that are essentially like double wide trailers. And I remember going in with the uh, main contractor I was working for and I was like, we, we're going to gut this thing. And it had, I mean, it had been lived in since, you know, 1960. It had pink carpet with just, uh, it, it was the original carpet and it was just like, oh, hazmat suits, everything, getting everything out of there. And that removing the carpet and then doing a paint job. And it was like, I could see people actually living in here. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. That's, I, I was shocked at it. I mean, it just makes it seem so much better. Yeah. So yeah, I, and, it's, and it allows me to tell that story. Mm-hmm. to a lot of people where I'll be like, look, I had the same kind of thoughts, but I would, here's my suggestion is let's negotiate based off of that, mm-hmm. but then do these two things and, and, and live in it and tell me what you really need. Right. Because it, it may dramatically change from being like, Oh, I thought I had to move this wall when actually it makes sense because of at, in the, 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 the peak sunset, it just blinds me and I would never be able to be in that room unless, that wall was there or you know some some sort of there might be a reason for what is existing yeah no that's that's super smart it's definitely a good good way to go about it for sure so what so for for people that are maybe thinking about going into real estate uh, some places may not be the best market to do it but if you're going in they want to be a real estate agent or, or things of that nature I mean, what kind of uh, what advice or kind of approach would you would you kind of give to them as as a few, you know, good pieces of advice if you're starting out. Find a good mentor. Uh, don't be afraid to work. Don't be afraid to to be rejected. Um, and then find your. Everyone always says find your niche, which is it is true. But what what is that? Be either like for me, it's being able to really understand the numbers and the metrics behind some of these purchases and be able to break down to into cap rates into this is your carrying cost. This is how, this is how renting it two weeks out of the year offsets your income mm-hmm. or, or offsets your expenses. Um, so figuring out how all those types of things correlate and being able to speak to it the best out of anyone. Yeah. Um, so when people walk up to, we have people that walk up to our window every day, probably you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 people that walk up and just stare at that, at that, uh, at our listings that are on the wall. Mm-hmm. And if I just took, I mean, I'll pop, I pop my head out whenever I have time and just say, Hey, do you have any questions? Yep. Every answer is no, no. <laughs> and so 
what's nice about it is our office is closed. Usually we have walk-ins and you have to do a little bit longer um, qualifications. And now it's, it's easy for me. I just say, well, were you surprised by any of the prices on, on the wall there? Mm-hmm. And the ones that were like, yeah, these prices are outrageous. I say, well, I know it's a crazy market. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, or I'll say, well, what were you looking for? And if it's something that's completely outrageous, you know, I'll be like, okay, well, this is going to be a waste of time. I'm, I want a, a four bedroom house for under a million dollars at ski and ski out. Well, okay. I want to be an astronaut. I close the door. <laughs> 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 and so the other ones that are just like, no, that's actually exactly what we thought. We just were seeing if you had any different inventory. Mm-hmm. Cool. What, what is it that I could help you find? And yeah. you, it's such a quick transition and being able to get people to open up and, and start talking to you about what they want, because I'm not, I'm not here to, to push them on any, any sort of direction other than just like, this is what's out there. There's limited inventory. I, sometimes I come across things before they hit the market. Would it be beneficial if I pass them along to you? Are you, are you working with an agent? How are you finding your listings? And sure. would it help if I, if I send you things that I think are good values, because I look every day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That would be great. Perfect. So staying on top, definitely keeping, keeping track of those, uh, those listings that come. I mean, how many, are there a ton of new listings kind of coming up? Because it definitely is a limited market, at least here right now. So today was a little bit for the first flip-flop. We had 21 new listings <clears throat> um, and only 17 pendings, but in days back, if I go back for the last week, mm-hmm. uh, I might have to get the slide back in. Let's see, for last week, there were 87 new listings and 108 pending. So we're out, we're out selling the inventory, which is what's creating this havoc of, oh, I, I need to get in, I need to find something. That coupled with um, the low interest rate and kind of uncertainty of what may or may not happen in the future if there's right. a different a, a change of guard yeah that some of the tax structures or some of these other benefits may may go away that some people are really trying to make sure that they get to where they want to be um but yeah usually usually we're a little bit slower than we are right now mm-hmm. so that's i mean is that an advantage for you or it's just creates craziness <laughs> It's an advantage for me because I'm I'm here. If right. I was trying to buy up here, it would be yeah. a disadvantage. Sure. You know, if I if I if I would have waited, um, yep. I might not I might not be as in as good of a position. And so, sure. I often I often have that conversation with people because some people are like, I'll just wait for the market to cool down. Um, and it's like, well, great, you can do that. Is it is it more beneficial for you to get twenty thousand dollars off the price? off of the price that a seller arbitrarily sets for what they want, mm-hmm. or is it better to get the home today in an appreciating market? And they're like, what do you mean? I go, well, if say in two years, you yeah. could get the same home and you could beat the seller up for 20, 30, $50,000 off the price, but the home's appreciated by $75,000. Mm-hmm. What is the better win? Is it better for you to get it now with what you know is available and pricing and, interest rates or is it better to wait so you feel like you got a better deal right and sometimes people just need to hear that before they're like that's a good point um what what do you recommend i go well here's what i did mm-hmm. and i never i never tell anyone what to do sure because telling is not selling it's just <laughs> you know, 
the second that anyone tells me to do something, I'll be like, huh, let's see about that. I mean, you already know. Yeah, you're going to do the opposite. <laughs> ask my mom. She'll be like, go clean. You're, you don't have to clean your room. Watch this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it is, it's interesting, but always people will catch on quickly when they, when they figure out you genuinely have their interests involved. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you're, you're a client. You, yeah. you've worked. You've worked with me. Yeah, absolutely. We're in our dream home right now. It's a nice place, man. It's awesome. We, we, we love it. It's been sweet. We we connect, yeah, I know. And especially with what's going on with the market and everything. I mean, we've definitely like lived, you know, we know there's some things we want to do and, and things like that. But I think definitely having the opportunity to live in it and to see what you really, you know, need to change and everything else, I think is a great, uh, definitely a great point. Um, to yeah. bring up to people and I think it definitely makes makes a lot of sense like just live in it for a little bit make one or two of those big changes that you want to and then give it some time and see what really makes a difference in, in what you want to do with the home yeah and make sure that it can fit the table yeah it's right? got to be able to fit, yeah, those, be able fit the table. table yeah I mean you have you had specific uh requirements too so I mean it's but it's it's knowing that you can genuinely trust that person to help you with that decision whether whether or not it, it doesn't impact them so like if you didn't if you guys were like you know what damon we have changed our mind we're not going to buy yeah i'm like okay uh, my first question as a professional is going to always be like is it is it, is it does it come down to condition does mm -hmm. it come down to the price or is it just genuinely not the right time to buy yeah and if it's genuinely not the right time to buy so be it you know right. but if it's something that because the the worst thing that i could do is have you talk yourself out of it only to regret it later. Mm -hmm. So I always want to explore everything, make sure everyone is extremely comfortable moving forward, right. yourself included. Yeah. Uh, as well. Um, yep. you know, cause she's a perfect wife. Yeah. You can't hundred percent, not 85, hundred <laughs> percent, not 85. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that comfort level, I mean, it's, it's great. And it definitely makes a difference. You know, it's, uh, one of those things that I would say is unique. Like I've said, I've seen, uh, there's so many agents here in this area alone. And, you know, it's been fun to be able to kind of pick your mind and, and stuff like that on, cause it is a crazy market right now. I mean, one of those things you, you touched on earlier that you need like a good uh, mentor. So for you through, through maybe, you know, is it who have been uh, really profound um, people that have been able to mentor you through your life? I mean, mom and dad. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. mom and dad, but mm -hmm. it, it I always try to surround myself with very driven people. Yeah. Um, I've always been kind of shocked when I sit back and look at my friends, they'll be successful commercial real estate agents, com successful uh, business owners, successful lawyers, um, doctors, emergency, or like emergency doctors. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I always looked at myself as like, just kind of a hooligan growing up and then, you know, I was like, I'm like, oh man, that's kind of crazy that he's going to be able to do that. And then my other friends graduating from law school and, and they would look at me and be like, dude, you're, you're training to try to make the Olympics. Like that, it, that's not, that's not a normal thing. And it's not, and that's not easy either. Once you, yeah. once that dream like subsides, mm -hmm. you're going to take all that energy and you're going to apply it somewhere else. Yeah. And so that's, that's been the fun part is being able to, to see athletes and be able to relate to them and, and kind of go through those processes with them and just say, 
hey, look, you know, you, you came from a professional skiing background. How did you get into it? Yeah. And how many times did you fail? And how many times did you try to get on to get a, a, a picture published or try to win a race um, yeah. before you did it? Yeah. Like, it took a long time. Absolutely. So how, how is any, any business different? You know, like you're not going to open the door and just have it unless there's already, you've already established a brand, and right. there's, but establishing a brand is even harder to establish than a business. Yeah. And you've learned that. I mean, the, the brand is definitely uh, established up here, I would say for sure. I mean, one of the things that's always unique that I see like on social media and stuff with you is that you have the unique quality of the back, your competitive background. Like you could go and, if a client wants to see a ski in ski out place and do it in the middle of, I mean, you can take them skiing and be like, Oh, and then they're like, damn, I'm skiing with this total badass. I can barely like get down the hill. And this dude is like, all right, that makes me want to want to deal with him more. Right. Well, that part's fun. And so yeah. that's, that's what I've, I've really learned on um, that's helped with the ski and ski out stuff up here is that people are coming here for skiing they want to be related to. And so a lot of my business is picked up on chairlift. It's picked up just on the ski hill, mm -hmm. bumping into people doing what, what they love to do because they want to be around other people that they, that share that same kind of passion. Absolutely. You know, you're not going to be, you're not going to want to be around someone who just hates everything that you do. <laughs> and so like all of a sudden you're already, you're already in that connection phase. You're already showing them, you're giving them, you're giving value as far as like, come ski with me. I'll show you my favorite places to ski on the mountain mm -hmm. and the best ways to access, you know, the home or the best powder stash. So yeah. now I've given them even more value than just a random person. Uh, and so it's like, well, you know, this is my passion, but you should like, if you're interested in real estate, I have the same kind of ability to be able to find those like little, little qualities that will make whatever it is that you're looking for stand out versus just being like, trying to figure it out yeah no for sure that makes yeah. a lot of sense it definitely makes it makes it unique so for people out there potentially in the uh park city market where can they where can they look you up where can they follow you no comment <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, uh, my website is uh damonbushai.com um you can also go i mean you can google me um but it's, it's spelled a little bit differently it's d-a-i-m-o-n-b-u-s-h-i dot com um but it's fun i mean so yeah we do we do ski and ski out tours dash as i mentioned a couple of times he's a professional skier um so we always we always decided that or we knew each other from skiing we almost bought a house together before he got married and looked at 65 homes um <laughs> so we always had talked about ideas and I, I had had a friend who always tries to sell me on real estate down in nicaragua and it starts off at like 10 grand and by the end, he's always trying to sell me on like $2 million. We'll build this subdivision. <laughs> and I'll be like, one, thank you for thinking I have just $2 million laying around. Mm -hmm. uh, two, I was like, I think that he would, I, I would make up like these crazy excuses. Mm -hmm. And one of them one day was like, look, if you got Kelly Slater to take me around and show me his favorite surf breaks uh, in some of the most, uh, you know, some of the best real estate values in Nicaragua, you'd, you'd grab my attention. And then, and then I was like, well, why don't we just do that with skiing? You know, why don't we get a professional skier? Why don't we tour people around, show them our favorite places on the mountain, show and relate their ski skills 
to the, also where they're living on the mountain and their access points and where they want to be. And yeah. so it, that's really probably what separates what I'm trying to do and what most of, a lot of other people will say that they do the same thing, but it's, it's the same. It's but unique. Different. Yeah. It's the same, but definitely it's different. Unique. Yeah. They don't so have the same set of skills for sure. They don't have 40 years of competitive skiing between the two of them. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Well, my man, I know you, uh, you got to run. You still got some, some more work long, grinding out those long days, but I appreciate you, uh, taking the time and coming on. And, uh, next time, hopefully it'll uh, be in person in the studio. We got to, you know, find a spot for it. So I'll be hitting you up for that. Nice. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Bye everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening in. I really appreciate it. Please make sure to take the time to like, share, and subscribe our show. And also you can follow along on Instagram. Thanks.